What's up, guys, and welcome to MCS Podcast number 323. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson. Uh, We are in a full sprint to get to the Warrior Life transition, but we're not quite there yet. Still have some I's to dot and T's to cross. So we're going to talk uh, in the MCS Podcast this week about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that is combination survival tools. How to evaluate them before you add them to your gear and decide to rely on them. Before we go any farther, you can download your one-page handy-dandy cheat sheet for this week's episode at mcsmagazine.com slash 323. That's mcsmagazine.com slash 323. And right in your podcast description, there should be a link to the uh, cheat sheet show notes as well. All right, are you ready? Then let's talk combination survival tools. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, we're back. Like I said, this is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson. Uh, There's an old saying in survivalist and prepper communities that two is one and one is none. And obviously what that means is that you've got to have backup gear because your gear, the things you rely on for survival and self-defense and anything else that you need in any kind of emergency, can break, it can fail, it can get lost, it can even get confiscated. If you don't have backups, It's like not having anything at all. If you're relying on, say, one flashlight to get you through navigating while you're bugging out through pitch black darkness, and that one flashlight runs out of batteries, you might as well not have had any flashlights, is the theory. There is sort of a a coincidental, sort of an ancillary concept that goes along with that, and that is the concept of combination survival tools. A combination survival tool is any tool that does more than one thing. And the reason it is appealing is that, I mean, not only do you have more options because you don't know what emergencies you may face. Survival and self-defense are all about anticipating emergencies that haven't materialized yet. But the other problem is uh, you only have so much room on your person as part of your everyday carry, in your bug out bag, in your survival kit. So a tool that can do more than one thing is filling more than one role, but taking up no more space than that one object. That's one of the reasons that combination tools are so popular. And that's one of the reasons that the people who make these things continue to market them to us. There's a potential problem though, and that potential problem for combination survival tools is uh, sort of goes hand in hand with another old saying. Uh, People sometimes misuse the concept of jack of all trades, master of none, but what they mean to say when they're using that, that reference is a tool that does everything often doesn't do individual things well. One of the best examples I can cite would be, uh, A few years back, and I've noticed this less so now in the knife industry, but a few years back, it was very common for these multi-carry sheaths. You'd get a knife that was trying to be everything. You could rig it up as a shoulder holster. You could rig it up as a inside-the-waistband holster. It could be a a boot holster. It could be uh, an outside-the-waistband holster. It could be horizontal. It could be vertical. The problem with a sheath that tries to do everything is that it ends up doing all those things with relative mediocrity. For example, I would much rather have a dedicated leather metal clip boot sheath for a knife that I can just put inside my waistband, or I guess in a boot, although very few people do that with boot knives. I would rather have that because it's simple and streamlined and works well than a wider, larger sheath that has all these attachments and grommets and is designed to be multiple things to multiple people because those multi-purpose sheaths often just don't work all that well. 
Um, and this is the problem of combination tools. When you look at a combination tool, as we're going to learn in this podcast, there are certain questions you have to ask yourself before you decide to rely on that tool. Another great example, and I admit, I am somewhat susceptible to certain types of marketing. A few years back, there was this video floating around the internet of this Chinese military shovel. And there was a little Chinese guy, presumably from the Chinese communist military, who was using that shovel to practically build a house. He was digging holes in the side of a cliff. He was climbing the cliff with the shovel. He was using it as a pix and as an axe. He was chopping wood. Uh, It did a bunch of other things. It was wire cutters. It was this. It was that. And I kind of wanted that shovel. And the the commercial itself was hypnotic because of this weird music that was playing in the background. I'm willing to bet you can probably find that commercial on YouTube or elsewhere on the internet. I was fascinated by it. I'm like, I kind of want that shovel. (laughs) Because, again, I'm easily gimmicked by things like that. And I know what I'm buying. I own all kinds of gadget stuff that I know is impractical when I buy it. But I buy it because it makes me happy. (laughs) And in this case... Uh, the, the shovel, for example, the wire cutting feature, it'll work, but what you've got is a pair of wire cutters shaped like a shovel. It's very awkward to use. So it'll sort of do the job after the fact. And if you were already carrying a shovel, great, I guess. But a dedicated pair of wire cutters is probably a much better choice for that function. So you have to ask yourself, did I gain anything by buying the shovel that was also a pair of wire cutters, if I then don't have wire cutters and I have this awkward shovel-shaped wire cutter. But you can run into problems with a combination tool just because even if it's simple, it doesn't mean it will do what it's meant to do. I bought a collapsible shovel once that didn't shove. And what I mean by that is it was designed so that you could, you know, like the like the standard military collapsible entrenching tool. This was an off-brand, probably Chinese-made tool, never, never a military issue or anything like that. You could turn a, a sort of a nut on the bottom of the shovel at where the handle meets the blade, and you could turn the blade sideways to use it as a pick, which is, you know, the standard entrenching tool does that. My father, growing up, when I, when I was growing up, he had a military surplus entrenching tool that he used all the time. It was really tough. It was well-made. It was probably left over from military issue at some point. There was a time when you could go into a military surplus store and actually buy military surplus instead of like pink and purple camouflage and other things that have never been anywhere near a military. I'm not sure when a military surplus store just became vaguely military-like products. But anyway, back in the day, you could still get military surplus, and he had a great entrenching tool. I bought one, I don't know, mail order or off the internet or something, and I say mail order because I'm old enough to have bought things out of catalogs when you had to place orders over the phone with people. That's how old I am. (laughs) But the shovel wouldn't stay open. In other words, it was a shovel that didn't shove. You'd open it, screw the nut down, go to shovel something with it, and the second that blade hit dirt, it would fold. It was absolutely useless as shovels go. So when we consider a combination survival tool because we want to save weight and space, there are five questions we have to ask before we rely on that tool. And yes, you might say, well, this combination tool is my backup. But if your backup is not reliable, then you don't really have a backup. You have nothing. So before you add that combination tool to your survival gear, ask yourself these five questions. And I was was inspired to do this podcast based on a five-in-one survival knife that we recently profiled on our email list. I actually really like that knife. Um, I own a couple of them. 
myself. And uh, it's a if you didn't see the email, the knife is a folding knife. It's a one hand opening tactical folder type knife. It's got a thumb stud. It's got a bottle opener built into the blade in such a way that you could almost use it as a wave. Uh, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, the Emerson Wave is an opening feature on a blade that lets you hook the pocket as you pull the knife out of your pocket and open the blade that way. There's an old uh, Kershaw that has a bottle opener built into the blade that is highly sought after. It's not in production anymore. Uh, it's highly sought after because that scallop in the blade can be used as a wave feature. Well, I, the first thing I thought of when I saw the knife was that it has that, although I can't. I don't think the pocket clip is oriented for a tip up, which it would have to be to do that. But be that as it may, it doesn't matter. The existence of that bottle opener in the blade doesn't affect the use of the blade at all. It doesn't change how the knife works. It's just a decently shaped tactical folding knife. It also has a ferro rod and a flashlight built into the top of the handle. Uh, it's nice and sleek so that the handle's not overly large. Uh, it's got a few other little features built in and I like the knife. It's it's not a $300 custom knife. No, it's an inexpensive knife that anyone can afford, but I like it and I have a couple of them kicking around. <laughs> I even have one that was manufactured as a tie-in to Pokemon when Pokemon Go came out. If you don't know what that is, you're my age. <laughs> it's a kid's game that you can get on your smartphone. But uh, at some point, somebody released that knife painting a section of it to coincide with the four colored teams in the game, which are red, blue, gold, and wait, is there only three? I don't remember. It's not important. <laughs> my point is, <laughs> I have I have that knife a couple of times, and one of them is a Pokemon tie-in version, which means nothing. It just means somebody painted a section of the same knife. But it's a great little knife. I, I happen to be quite fond of them. I ordered another one off of one of those Chinese retail sites uh, just the other day because if you don't mind waiting a month, you can get stuff relatively inexpensive. I try not to do that, especially after the pandemic. I got out of the habit of doing that, but sometimes your budget is what your budget is. So that's an example of a knife that that is good because while it's a combination tool, none of the combination features interfere with the individual functions of the tools. And that is harder to do than you might think. That is why so many combination survival tools actually aren't really good gear. So the first question you have to ask yourself when you're evaluating any combo tool, and I don't care if it's that cool Chinese military shovel, or it's a folding knife that does survival stuff like the one we profiled, or if it's some other tool uh, like a uh, one of those flashlights that also has a hand crank and is also a radio and also can charge your phone. You know, the, you see that a lot in survival circles. Everybody's got one in their bug out bag. Weird, fun fact, a lot of those, the plastic on the housing gets kind of weird and tacky over time. I've noticed a couple of those Dynamo multifunction flashlights that I've put in survival kits, when they sit for a while, they get kind of sticky. And I'm not sure what it is about the plastic that the housings are made of that does that. If you've experienced that, I'd love for you to comment on this podcast and, and talk about that. I, we'd love to hear your comments on our podcast anyway, uh, because we love to hear from you. We like to get your input. Every time you see this post on our website, we're asking for your comments, for your experiences. We'd love to hear from you. That's one of the reasons when we switch over to Warrior Life, that's that's part of what that's all about. Um, and if you're hearing to if you're hearing this podcast after we switched over to Warrior Life, that's why we switched. Anyway, question number one: 
does the combination survival tool still do its primary function? In the case of the knife I mentioned, you have to ask yourself, is it still a decent knife? Can I still open it with one hand? Can I wield it without any awkwardness? Can I use it as a knife for survival or even self-defense if that's what I'm carrying it for? Does it still do the thing it's supposed to do? My combination survival shovel that doesn't shove is useless as a shovel. So always when you evaluate a tool, ask yourself if the combination interferes with what you're trying to do. And another great example would be one of those multi-purpose knife sheaths. Um, not really a survival thing, but when it comes to self-defense, this is important too. Does the fact that my sheath is designed to do more than one thing, is it stopping me from doing those things well? For example, when I wanna wear it inside my waistband, is it so big and bulky that it's just not comfortable? Uh, a sheath that's not comfortable, this is more than just you know, be a man, wear the thing. It doesn't matter if you find it uncomfortable. That's not the point. Human nature is human nature. So if your knife sheath is not comfortable, you're not going to carry that knife. You might as well not have it if you're not going to carry it. Uh, any tool that doesn't work well, you're not going to use it if it doesn't work well. And so you might as well not own it. It's just taking up space in a drawer at home. Here's a great example. Uh, question number two. This specifically, every tool you have hands and almost every tool that you pick up and wield has a handle. Now, yes, some objects are meant to work sitting on a table like a radio or something like that, but most of the time we're talking about tools that have handles like that knife or the shovel or a machete. So ask yourself, question number two, is the handle awkward? Handles tend to suffer when it comes to combination survival tools because of the design concessions that have to be made to make a tool do more than one thing. One of the worst machetes I ever owned and handled was it had a bunch of extra stuff on it. It was designed to do more than one thing. It was an awkward shape and it was an awkward weight and had awkward balance as a result. And because of all that, when you wielded the machete, it hurt your hand. It wore hot spots into the palm of your hand. Um, I owned another machete nothing else about it was it wasn't a combination tool it was just a machete and it was bar none the worst machete I've ever owned because the way it was balanced and the way the handle was shaped it would hurt your hand just to wield it you could feel it wearing away at the palm of your hand those are called hot spots and, and over time they will create blisters and they will render you unable to use any tool if you let yourself develop blisters so is the handle of the tool awkward because of the design concessions of this combination tool? There are some multi-tools that they've tried to incorporate like an outsized pair of scissors or wire, or not scissors, like pliers or uh, wire strippers or something. Some multi-tools are just really, really awkward. In the folded and unfolded positions, you can tell that using them would not be comfortable. So you, when you're evaluating, check the handle, try it out. Do you feel hot spots when you hold it? Does it feel awkward to hold? Is it bigger than it should be? Uh, there are some tools that they really feel like they're too wide for your hand. You feel like you've got little doll hands trying to hold onto this giant object and it just doesn't work in your hand. If you can't get a good grip on a knife or a multi-tool, that is not a useful tool. You're not going to use it uh, or it's gonna be awkward to use. It might even be dangerous to use if you slip while you're using a tool, especially if you've got a sharp edge out somewhere, you can hurt yourself pretty bad. Um, these are all things to consider. A survival tool must be comfortable for you to use it. If you tear up your hands trying to survive with it, it's just not doing you any good. So that's why my number two question after number one, does it still do its primary function? Number two is, is the handle awkward? 
Number three has more to do with sort of the design ethic and the manufacturing ethic behind some uh, multi-purpose tools, and that is, is this thing fragile? Combination tools often are more of an idea and less of an execution. What I mean is somebody had a great idea to combine something, and they didn't really think through how they were going to build it. As a result, they've slapped something together that isn't just weird and isn't just awkward, but it also is not well made. Um, I've handled some knives that that just, they were an attempt to look different, be different for the sake of being different, and they felt like that when you held them. Um, some of those, not coincidentally, were so cheaply made that pieces of plastic would come flying off them when you opened them. They just weren't well thought out. Um, the 5-in-1 survival knife that I mentioned and that we profiled, that's an example of a well-made but inexpensive tool. It's not expensive. It, absolutely. Anybody can afford it. And yet it's well-made. I've used it. I've tested it myself. Um, it's fun to use. I like it. And nothing about it says this is a problem. So when you're evaluating a combination tool, whether it's my shovel that doesn't stay open or it's anything else, you have to ask yourself, is it fragile uh, for its primary use? Like say you've got a multi-purpose shovel, is it fragile when it comes to being a shovel? Will it stay open? All the other accessories, like that Chinese military shovel I mentioned, are the wire cutters gonna hold up if you actually use them? Or would eventually, would they break or stop working or are they just too soft to cut what they're meant to cut? A lot of times when people add these things on to a survival tool, they don't really bother to test the function of the add-ons. And I think cynically, sometimes manufacturers say to themselves, none of our customers are ever gonna use this thing. I think a lot of manufacturers think when you buy a survival product, you're gonna stick it in the back of a closet with your bug out bag and you're never gonna actually use it. Uh, so you can, do yourself a lot of favors by testing your, your gear regularly. Go camping with your gear. Take your bug out bag camping. Try it out. Replace any of the stuff that you use. Make sure everything actually functions. And that's when you're going to find out if one of your fancy combination survival tools is so fragile that it breaks. Um, you know, when I try to use the ferro rod, is it, is it actually going to make sparks? Can I actually make sparks with the ferro rod that's part of my combination tool? Um, I did that with the 5-in-1 knife that I mentioned. I was able to make really nice sparks, actually, using the serrated section on the blade. Um, and if you've ever tried to start a fire using a magnesium brick and, and a ferro rod, you know that it can be a little dicey sometimes. It can take a little while. So always be on the lookout for combination tools that are fragile that will break when you try to use them that will fail in use and it may seem sturdy before you use it and then you use it a couple times and you can see where things start to come loose because just because something feels like it's like the fit and finish are good and the lockup is tight or whatever the tool happens to do just because it feels good out of the box doesn't mean it's going to keep feeling that way um, i've owned knives for example that you know, they seemed fine at first, but then you use them a few times and the blade starts to loosen up to the point that it's dangerous uh, in the case of a folding knife. So always test your combination tools to see if they're fragile and see how they hold up. That brings me to number four. Uh, is maintenance impossible? What I mean is, is the combination tool so weirdly uh, complicated that you can't do basic maintenance on it. In the case of a, a folding knife, that would be sharpening it. In the case of a multi-tool, that would be, you know, you might need to clean it out. Is it designed in such a way that makes it impossible to clean? What I always think of are television VCRs. 
I am dating myself when I say this, but when I was in college, I owned a television VCR. Uh, for those of you who have no idea what a VCR is, well, you're on the young side, but that's, that's a video cassette recorder. Um, and I owned a television that had a VCR deck built into it. You put the VCR tape into the television and you could watch it and it was all one unit. While those were considered fairly handy back in the day, they suffered from an extremely limiting problem, and that is they were impossible to maintain. You probably don't know this, or if you're my age, you may recall it. VCRs were driven by lots of belts. Uh, there's lots of wheels and gears and belts that turn the tape, because the, the, a VCR tape is literally a couple of wheels, just like a cassette tape, that have tape moving between them. And that's why when you were done with the VCR tape, you had to rewind it and get it back to the beginning. So there's a lot of moving parts. Moving parts are the bane of anything electronic like this. Over time, those belts would get worn or gunked up or just not run properly. And then you would have problems with the VCR. There were repair shops back in the day where you could take your VCR deck and have it maintained. They could take it apart. They could clean it. They could replace belts. But when you build one of those things into a television set, and I'm talking about an old tube TV, not a flat screen, suddenly they were impossible to work on. If you bought one of these things for a couple hundred bucks and then it stopped working, you didn't even bother trying to fix it. You just bought another thing. Or if you were like most human beings, you're like, I will never buy a combination TV VCR ever again because they're impossible to work on. And I tell you this long-winded story because there are certain tools, combination survival tools, that because of the design concessions of squeezing more than one thing into the design, they just aren't practical to maintain. They just aren't easy to work on. So depending on what you buy, make sure that if basic maintenance, you know, whether it's sharpening a knife blade or cleaning out moving parts or anything like that, can I take this thing apart if I'm inclined to do so and if it's necessary? Is it possible to do the necessary maintenance functions or does the design of this combination tool make that quite impossible? Um, most of the time, this is not a huge concern, but every once in a while it will be. So do yourself a favor and consider it now. Finally, uh, number five, and I sort of touched on this talking about knife sheaths, but the sheath or the scabbard or whatever the, the belt keeping item is, if it's a handheld tool, you must always consider how your combination survival tool is going to be stored and carried. In the case of any kind of a, a folding knife that does more than one thing or a multi-tool that, that comes with a belt sheath, what you'll find is that a lot of the makers of combination tools tend to kind of cheap out when it comes to the sheath or the scabbard or the whatever storage compartment. Um, and you'll see this just in knives too. The, I can't tell you how many great knives I've owned that came with terrible sheaths. Sometimes they were basically just nylon covers that didn't even have a plastic liner. You know, they were just, just not good. Um, and you can get aftermarket sheaths for lots of knives. You can make sheaths out of Kydex. I happen to, as a hobby, make stuff out of Kydex. So I've never had to worry about a sheath that isn't good because I can always make a Kydex uh, belt hol holster or holder for something that I want. But most people don't have that option. So when you buy an item, you need to consider is the sheath or the scabbard or the pouch or whatever this comes in, is it useful to me? Now, in the case of the five-in-one knife that I've been using as the example for all this, uh, I've seen some versions of that offered with a nylon pouch that is um, I wouldn't carry it just because I don't need it, but the knife itself, uh, you know, most knives will have a, like a, a pocket clip or something that you would probably use anyway. Uh, 
there are other knives that I've bought that didn't need a sheath. Um, some folding knives, you can just drop them in your pocket. I mean, that's the whole point of a folding knife. Then there are other tools that absolutely require some kind of a sheath or belt holder to be useful. Um, in the case of our Chinese military shovel, for example, that thing has a sharp edge because you're supposed to be able to use it as an axe. So are you just carrying it around naked? Do you have something to put over the, the blade of the shovel? Um, you have to consider these things. I, I don't actually own, I've never actually achieved my dream of holding that owning that Chinese military shovel. So I don't know if it comes with anything to cover the head of the shovel. I know if you buy like one of those cold steel special forces shovels that you can sharpen and throw, I think they make a nylon cover available for that that's pretty rugged. Cold steel is good about that kind of thing. Uh, their sheaths are usually, if not the most elegant solution, they're usually at least pretty tough. Um, anyway, always consider as point number five, how am I going to carry this? What's the sheath like? Is it cheap? Can I replace it? Is there something about this that's going to render it something I wouldn't carry or, or have with me. Um, it doesn't matter if you're putting this thing in like a, a box in the back of your truck where you keep some extra survival gear. But if it's if it's something that's going to be carried on your person especially or if it's something that's going to be in a bug out bag and you don't want it rubbing up against other things in the bug out bag, you know, you wouldn't want a, an unsheathed sharp knife just kicking around in there. So you have to consider what what is the storage like for this thing, whether it's a sheath or a scabbard or a pouch or whatever. So when evaluating your combination survival tools, always ask yourself these five questions. One, does it still do its primary function despite the multiple design? Two, is the handle awkward? Three, is this executed in a way that makes it fragile or unreliable? Four, how possible is maintenance? Is it impossible? Is that going to cause me a problem? And five, uh, what about the sheath, the scabbard, the pouch, how I'm going to carry it, how I'm going to store it? If you think of these five questions when you're evaluating your survival gear and when you're choosing combination survival tools, you can pick out those tools that will serve you well, and then you'll have great backups, you'll have great multi-purpose tools that don't take up any more room than you need them to do, and you will be a much more equipped and prepared individual. And really, that's why we do this. That's what we're all about here, is making sure that you are better prepared to prepare, train, and survive. Ha ha ha, fooled you, that wasn't the outro tag. That was me working it into a sentence. <laughs> for Jeff Anderson, this is Buck Green in for the Modern Combat and Survival Podcast, soon to be Warrior Life. Uh, and now, for real, I'm saying, prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>